Hi there, and welcome to the Future of Influence podcast. Here we discuss the power of influence, leadership, overcoming challenges, and more. They call me King Raj Singh, creator of the Future of Influence podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in our industry. With that, here we go. Welcome to the Future of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Fowler, and today I'm chatting with Michael F. Shine. Michael is president and founder of Microfame Media. He is also the author of The Hype Handbook, published by McGraw-Hill, and you can find him online at microfamemedia.com. Michael, welcome to the podcast. It is great to be here, Sandy. Thank you. So they say everybody wants their five minutes of fame. Is this something microfame media helps us find? Hopefully more than five minutes. Um, So, you know, um, my company is, if you look at it on the basic level, a marketing agency, although I rarely use the word marketing and we'll, we'll talk about why. But something that I realized was that if you're an idea-driven business. So if, if you're a consultant or a coach, or even let's say a technology business that's really driven by ideas more than the physical product, if you're not known as the premier sort of entity in your, in your niche, um, you're going to be hustling and scrapping for work all the time. There's usually a few figures who are kind of like known as the authority in their in their space, and all the rest of the people are trying to catch up, and and that's that's hard, uh, you know, to to face up to. It sounds very daunting. But what I also realized in the early days was that in the age of the internet, you don't have to be famous, Oprah famous. You need to be famous in a very narrow niche, which is a lot more doable. So there are often a few people who look like they're everywhere at once in a certain segment, and all the business sort of falls in their lap. But no one else knows who they are outside of that niche, but they're superstars in that niche. So we got really good at making that happen for companies and people. So it's it's more about that kind of fame than the 15-minute uh, Kardashian type fame. So big fish, small pond? Yeah, I guess that's a, a great way to, to describe it. Mm-hmm. So when you're working with clients, what are your top strategies for helping them to define that niche and to, to gain the fame in that area. So this is why I don't like to use the word marketing because marketing should be just this concept of anything you do to get a chance to make more sales. But what it's become in most people's minds are sort of the tools and tactics. So you talk to people about marketing and they'll say they're a social media marketing expert and they'll talk about how good they are at using the social media software and HubSpot and getting lots of followers and engagement. And then when you dig down and figure out, did they generate a lot of emotion and attention to get more sales? Well, they start to hedge, right? So I refer to it as hype. Um, you know, I, um, I never wanted to own a business. I uh, wanted to do something artistic. I, I wrote fiction very early on and I played music and I, I played punk music. And, and that's important because when, uh, we were, when I played in bands and things like that, we ended up getting a lot of attention, even though we didn't become rock stars in the end, but we did it through what we would call hyping things up. So we would, 
You know, I used to dress like a nun on stage and make sure the press was there to see it. I would, uh, we would put up posters that said, Dave Matthews must die. We got ourselves on Showtime at the Apollo, making sure we knew, because we knew we would be booed off. And the idea here wasn't that to be as obnoxious as possible, although that was the kind of music. It was that if you can get people really emotional around something using these age old sort of psychological tactics, people like novelty, you know, these sorts of things. It would work. So when I um, I became a, a freelance copywriter at one point, and I had trouble generating attention for myself because I had become kind of corporate by that point. I had had all the uh, mischief bleached out of me um, by by life, and I was you know studying search engine optimization and landing pages, and none of it worked. And then I remembered my past, and I remembered that you know human beings are human beings. We, you know we 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 focus on the marketing and the technology. But really, there are these age old sort of concepts of what gets people feeling worked up and transcendent and carried away. And so I started to study that instead. So in in our agency, and this is what the book is about, too, we focus more on what we call hype than marketing. It's the idea that there are these fundamental group psychology principles and the technology changes and the tactics change. And we have access to all those tools and tactics. But we start with, okay, what's the fundamental like? mass psychology approach that we're going to take. And then we match it to the tools and tactics, which are almost less important. So it sounds like you're really focusing on not just reaching people, but influencing them. Yeah. You're taking influence to that marketing point so that it creates a sale. Influence and you know, influence can mean me talking to you one-on-one and getting you to really think I'm interesting and want to talk to me afterwards and, you know, ultimately becoming a client or whatever, which isn't the dynamic we have here, but I'm just, you know, one-on-one. Certainly it's about influence, but, you know, what I got attracted to were that there have been these leaders through history, some of them horrible people, some of them great people, and a lot of in-between. So, um rock managers and rock bands. You know, I remember flipping back and forth between a Grateful Dead concert when I was in high school, back when we used to flip on TV and a, and a um, televangelist. And the Grateful Dead fans were waving their hands in the air and falling on the ground and flopping around. And the people in the audience of the televangelist were w- waving their hands in the air and falling on the ground and flopping around. And it occurred to me, these messages could not be more different. The content was diametrically opposed. But the reaction that these people were having was very similar. And I looked at why, you know, um, both of them drew lines in the sands. They both built tribes. They both used visual stimuli and sound stimuli to get people worked up. So it's not just influencing people, it's getting people into a transcendent state. You know, it's getting people to really become emotionally engaged so that you can lead them. And hopefully you're leading them toward good things, you know, not bad things. But a lot of times the bad people have a lot of lessons to teach. But again, the content isn't relevant. The content can be anything. It's that, you know, we're we're wired to take mental shortcuts and make decisions on mental shortcuts. We're wired to respond, you know, more uh, strongly toward contrarianism than toward positive statements. We're wired to, even if we don't believe that, we, we all are, um, we're wired, you know, to um, be 
attracted to repetition. So it's important to, to learn these things. So it's influence squared. And I hear you talking about emotion and emotional reactions. And I know that many times business owners actually tend to shy away from that because they're afraid of the conflict that will come out. You talked about two sides of the same coin. You, know, you were talking about two different messages. When you come out with a message that people are emotional about, we're afraid oftentimes that people who are not about our message are going to be just as emotional and that we have to deal with that conflict. What would you say to us about that? I would say that at the risk of being harsh, then you have to be prepared to do less well at your business. I mean, you, you don't have to pick fights with human beings and be a jerk. This doesn't mean being a troll, but it does mean taking strong stands. So, you know, I mean, if you're comfortable never grow. Someone made an interesting comment to me the other day. They work with million dollar companies who want to become $10 million companies and $10 million companies that want to be $100 million companies. And what this gentleman said to me was, you know, what he noticed about companies that get past a million in revenue is that they learn how to market and sell beyond their network. So if you have a company that does 100 thousand a year in revenue, 400,000 a year in revenue, 600,000 a year in revenue. It's very possible to do that kind of business, which is a very nice living. You know what I mean? But it's very possible to do that kind of business by just networking. You know, you 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 network, you meet the right people, then you do an awesome awesome job for those people so they spread the word about you. And you can get, I mean, a million dollars in sales is good and you can make a nice life out of that. You know, there's not much conflict involved with that. But that's going to be your ceiling, you know, because there's not you, you can't really generate huge quantity just by networking and referrals. However, if if you're open to being bold, you can do more than that. So um, but it doesn't have to be being a troll. So, for example, do, are you familiar at all with the company Basecamp? They used to be 37 signals. Yeah. So it, project management tool boring industry, important, but boring, um, a, a software product that, you know, manages your projects, the organizational tool for businesses, you know, and before the guys who started that company, Jason Fried and, and David Hansen Heinemeyer, um, it, it was just, the idea was that project management software, you, you had to put as much functionality into it as possible, right? Because, um, yeah, a client said they wanted something. It was obvious that other clients would want it. So, you know, you you would build it in. And now you have these big, unwieldy software packages. And what these guys said is, no, we're going to create a really simple tool that doesn't do more than like five things. And if you want more, you can't have it. Now, they could have stopped there. They could have talked about how their software was just simpler to use, but they didn't. They wrote a book called Rework where they picked a fight with the entire nature of work in the modern age. That people that if people are working around the clock, it's because they're lazy and they're not smart enough to figure out a better way um, that, you know, you should fire your workaholics. So they never called a, another person out. They never said, hey, you you're ugly. Right. But they drew a line in the sand and they said what all you other people are doing is wrong. And that got people emotional. That made some people dislike them. But the people who love them, love them. There is a cult around base camp. So I don't know. It's 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 always your choice, but the, the 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 you know the science bears this out. People are attracted to um, contrarian points of view. Well, and this is interesting too because 
you were talking about building beyond your network. And yet when you start a business, everyone tells you network, 100%. network, network, network. That's and how you, should. you build your business. And you should. Yeah. What, I guess I'm wondering what helps us make that leap from networking to moving beyond our network. How do we get our influence past our own network? How much time do we have? You know, I mean, I, I think Not enough. And I know you probably got it all in your book. Yeah. So can I mean, you give us like one nugget. Is it, is there a mindset shift that is important? Is it, you, you said you're not about tactics and strategies, so I'm not sure what else it would be. I, I am about tactics and strategies. I, I very much so. I guess what I'm saying is that I'm not about starting with, hey, get on Clubhouse and that's the new thing to do and this and that. I'm, I'm about saying, okay, we think contrarian points of view are important. What technology is currently available and what tactics can help you execute? So yeah, of course. Ta- well, strategy, I'm all about strategy, but tactics change, you know? Um, yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, I, I mean, and, and I'm all for networking. I mean, there's never been anyone who's been successful without a strong network. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you, I mean, these things can exist at the same time, right? But I think um, one piece of advice I, I would say is a lot of ambitious people study gurus, right? They study the Tony Robbins of the world. They study the Gary Vaynerchuks. They study the Simon Sinek's, you know, or whoever's comparable in in their industry. And that's for good reason. You can learn a lot from these people. But what I would challenge people to do is detach a little bit and say, is the advice that these gurus are giving me good advice? Or should I be modeling what they do to drive energy around themselves, right? So for example, if Tony Robbins' advice was all great, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, but if it was, if, if you could just follow Tony Robbins' advice and become a superstar, I think it's worth asking the question, why aren't the arenas full of people all millionaires? Or why aren't even most of them millionaires? And the reason is because he is very good at getting people into a transcendent state the way a religious leader would do. And he has very, there are tactics that he uses and age old strategies for doing that. And when you're in a transcendent state, you're in a buying state. You're you're ready to have change. You're going to say, I'm going to do all of this stuff. I'm going to use these programs and I'm going to turn myself into a guru. And then you get into normal life and you don't. Instead, Maybe you should study Tony Robbins and figure out what he does to get into a transcendent state. Why does he repeat the same mantras over and over? Why does he have people work walk on hot coals? You would say it's because um, it's it's to um, have people confront their fears, maybe. But there's been research done that if you inject a little bit of discomfort into a message, it actually, people crave that and they want to buy from you more. So does that mean you have to cause physical pain to people? No, but it might mean that you challenge people from the stage when you're making a sales presentation instead of just being nice all the time, right? So I would say kind of the meta strategy is study these extremely influential people, these people who have mass influence and who have some of what you have want to have, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones you disagree with, the ones you agree with. And really pick apart how they get people to do what they want them to do. And maybe their advice, some of it's good. But what I see people doing is they follow this advice to the letter. 
And then they wonder why they're not getting richer. So, Michael, as you were building your business, you have increased your influence. You've attained a high level of influence. I'm curious what you're doing with that influence now and how you plan to grow that, what you'll do with it as you grow. That's a it's a really timely question because um so when when I started studying what I call hype, you know, studying everyone from the great business leaders to propaganda artists and cult leaders to figure out what these human universal principles of influence, mass influence were. It was 100% just so I could grow, so I could make a living doing what I wanted to do. I had left a corporate job to become a freelance copywriter. I wasn't doing well because I wasn't good at, at sales and marketing. And, and so I said, well, I used to be good at sales and marketing. I just didn't call it sales and marketing. What if I could study this stuff and grow my business as long as I was doing it ethically? And, and this is not a throwaway piece. The ethical part was very, very important to me because I had left a corporate job where, which was completely ethical, but I didn't feel like I was making a contribution to humanity there. Um, it was the call center industry. And so I felt like if I couldn't do what I wanted to do and increase human benefit in the world, then it I had left for no reason, right? And I found out that I could. So that was my goal. I mean, my goal was to do what I wanted to do for a living. And I ended up growing my copywriting business to such a degree that it ended up becoming an agency because people wanted the marketing more than the, the writing. But it's funny, um, as I've studied this stuff, and this was one, the reason I wrote the book, you know, wrote the hype hand book, I had seen a lot of people who I feel are, I have to be careful with this, people I felt didn't have good intentions, who had gained a lot of influence in the world of, in recent years, who to me, because of what I've studied, it was quite transparent that they were using these strategies on people without even knowing they were doing it. And I would see in my business where I'm working with consultants, some people with such great ideas who are constantly scrapping and, and, and hunting to get more influence. And it just became an in, incredibly important to me to take these powers solely out of the hands of the quote unquote bad guys and, and make a case to the good guys that it's not only moral, but it's necessary to build an audience around good ideas and then to put those tools in the hands of people. So that's really become my obsession lately. It's really become a, my obsession to really instead of just going to corporations and big companies, which I love working with and consultancies, putting these tools of, of mass influence or, or you know mass psychology in the hands of people doing great work, great causes, great art, great businesses. Um, so I feel like that's my little piece um, to, to really increase the sum of human you know goodness in the world. So you have really, I think, challenged us today and <laughs> given us some new things to think about. Michael, where can we find you online? Sure. Um, thank you for allowing me to talk about that. And if it, and thank you for saying that I've challenged you. That's what, uh, as you can tell, that makes me happy. So, um, you know, I um, if, if you want to check out the book, the best way probably is to go on Amazon, the Hype Hand book, just because the bookstores are starting to open again. But that's always the easiest way. If you can support a local bookstore, though, that's always amazing. 
Um, you know, I, I have a, a personal website in addition to the business website called michaelfshine.com, spelled S-C-H-E-I-N. Also, there's a, a thing I love to do. I, I have a thing called the Hype Book Club. So I read all of these, let's just call them weird books. You know, I've read all the business books, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and, and so many of them are great. But I'm also reading biographies of of these strange characters, mass psychology books. And the ones that have really been the most useful to me and that I found the most entertaining, I put on a write-up that I send out to a group of people every so often. And people have really grown to love that. So that's hypereads.com, like reads reads a book. So hypereads.com. And that's a great way to keep in touch with me because I really like to communicate back and forth to the members of that little community. Well, thank you again for being here with us today and for challenging us and giving us something to think about and to a little different way of looking at marketing our businesses. Well, thanks, Sandy. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story by being a guest on our show, please visit https colon slash slash kingrajsingh.com slash podcast slash apply to apply. And if you liked what you heard, please also visit and follow us on all social media. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, they call me King Raj Singh, and thanks again for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. Tune in next time.